Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. When I was 14, uh, I had a friend that uh, his family was smoking marijuana. And uh, we were playing around, and we found a pipe. So that's where I started experimenting marijuana. After high school, I started uh, hanging with a gang. Uh, we would drive around, drive around a lot and then uh, smoking marijuana, drinking. Uh, we would party a lot, party a lot. And, and it was like a tight family and within the gang. Um, I started experimenting more with other drugs like acid, mushroom. And within two years after that, I started shooting meth. That was a different feeling itself. Uh, I just remember uh, friends were doing it and they said, you want to try it? And I had a, like an eight ball of stuff and so I tried it. And when that happened, the whole world changed. The feeling was your body heats up, uh, your ears ring, and, and nothing could hurt you, that kind of feeling. I didn't have no means to support my habit, so I started stealing from my parents, my grandparents, family members uh, to support that habit and that feeling. When I was 22, uh, I was outside with a friend at one o'clock in the morning. Uh, I heard two gunshots and I started ducking down. Next morning, I started seeing blood squirting from my neck, and I realized I got shot. Um, after that, I went to the hospital, and the doctor gave me a CAT scan, and he came in and told me that the bullet came a centimeter from my jugular vein, and I was uh, really lucky to be alive. After two years, I was heading to a bar with a friend, and I met this woman. She asked me, if, uh, do you smoke marijuana? I go, yeah. So we, uh, she go, we went to her car, and uh, she didn't have it there, and that's where we went to her house, and that's where I spent the night. We would start seeing each other on weekends and party on, during the weekends, and uh, we started having this relationship. After six months, uh, she, she got pregnant, and a few months later, we got married. Uh, within these months, she quit meth, and uh, I kept going, and that's where I started messing up. I didn't do, I mean, I, 
I quit for a little bit, then I went back to it. This is, it was an off and on thing. I would quit for a couple of weeks, three weeks. It, it, then I would go back to it. When my daughter was born, I gave her her first bath and dressed her. And when that happened, I picked her up and looked at her and she smiled at me. Having my daughter in my arms gave me that joy, but I kept continuing using meth. Uh, I was so addicted to it and the relationship went south. During the divorce, I, I left everything to Kathy. I just, uh, I knew Anna was in a better place than being with me. So I, I left her with her mom. Uh, I was really in a dark place. Um, I didn't want to feel anything. Uh, I didn't want reality. Uh, I was in and out of jail. I was living in the streets, had nowhere to go. This was my lowest point I hit. And I really want to change my life. And so I started praying to God to guide me, help me to better my life. Next morning, I started walking to Cedar House, and that's a rehab place. And this is where I started to uh, learn new tools and getting to know myself. They had a van going to Jetson Baptist Church. Uh, so I started signing up every Sunday to go to church. I started getting involved, getting to know God and have that relationship with God. I met a lot of loving uh, brothers and sisters at this church and they helped me a lot. After five years, I, I moved to uh, South Carolina. Uh, within six months, I found faith. The uh, atmosphere around there, that, that uh, the teaching of God and, and having the relationship with God, and that's what attracted, attracted me. I started getting involved with the, uh, the sound in the sound booth, and, and I'd do the lighting and stuff like that, and I, I love to serve, to give back. When I, when I was in that darkness, uh, I had that empty area of my life my soul is, was empty. Um, when I started having that relationship with God, that, the light was shown. And, and it started filling that, that hole up in that dark area. Uh, I've been clean for nine years with uh, God's grace and His love. Amen. Aren't you thankful for a miracle-working God? Aren't you thankful for a God of grace and mercy and love, a, a God who pursues us, amen? Uh, if you're a guest with us, uh, you picked a good time to come. Every week we're going to be sharing stories of what God is doing in the lives of people as we focus on our core values and beliefs, why we exist here at Faith, why we believe uh, what we do. Uh, also, if you're a guest, we 
We'd love for you to come back. Uh, Pastor Larry is out this morning. Uh, how many know we, we're just, we're blessed to have one of the greatest communicators on the face of the planet right here uh, who preaches the word. Every single week we get truth and we get life changed and we get challenged. Uh, I'm a little biased, but uh, he's the greatest leader and communicator on the planet. And you get to be here and have a part of that. So if you're guests, please come back and, and hear him uh, next week as we continue our series. Uh, all of our campuses, as we're starting uh, this series, uh, getting back into routine. How many are you ready for fall? All the parents say, get them back in school. Please, Jesus. Uh, and uh, you're back in routine. It is football season, the greatest season. It's back. College football, NFL. It's a good time to be alive. Deer season's around the corner. It's just, it's great. It's great. This is the best time of year. Because of that, getting in routine, we're looking at these four core values. And the first one we're going to dive in today is to know God. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, take them out. Turn to Romans chapter 1, uh, Romans chapter 1, as we uh, dive in here uh, this morning. While you're turning there, uh, just to help me out, uh, anybody, you grew up as a child in the 80s, early 90s, raise your hand, anybody, just a few of us in here, that means you're in your late 30s, 40s, that, that, that's there. Um, I, I have a quick question, it, it may be odd, did your parents grow up wearing um, robes, like weird things in the night, like cloaks, they, call, they, they called them nightgowns, I don't understand, they had like shoulder pads, really flattering, uh, and, 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 and robes. Um, I was kind of nostalgic this month. Um, this month is the month of my mom's birthday. She would have been uh, 66. And uh, I was reflecting and thinking back on childhood and thinking what she poured into my life. And uh, I, w I was reminded of one of my moments with her. Because um, when I was growing up, she had one of those robes. Um, it, was, uh, it was like this ugly pink thing. And uh, I don't know if it was terry cloth or poly or what it was. But it, it like went to the floor, so it very flattering, you know, and, and zipped all the way up, like three-quarter length sleeves, shoulder pads, because you need those when you go to bed, I guess. You know, and I, it, was really, it was really cool. And uh, she had this thing, this pink thing, and, uh, and uh, it was just her thing that she wore when bedtime came around. Um, I remember I came home from college in the summer, and uh, I, was, I was 18, I spent a semester at college, uh, two semesters at college, and I came back. And uh, I was out on a date. It was a good date. Uh, but the date went late. Uh, like, like r really late. And uh, I'd been away to Bible school, and I was on this late date. Uh, but I was a mature adult with two semesters of college under my belt. So I knew, I knew, I knew some things. And I knew that curfew didn't matter because I was mature. Uh, so I, I pulled into the driveway at about 2 a.m. And our, shit, don't, come on. I, I pulled into the driveway about 2 a.m. And our driveway was gravel, which a gravel driveway is like an instant burglar alarm. Like, you can't be sneaky about it, you know. This is like, so I'm going like 
I'm feathering the brake on idle, you know, like creeping, creeping in, in the driveway. And I see it on the porch, <laughs> the pink uh, flowing nightgown, sitting in a rocking chair. It's kind of creepy. Uh, and they're kind of dark in the porch. And uh, there's the pink. It stands out. And I, I see it. And I, I pulled in the driveway again, 2 a.m., and uh, as I pull in and get up to the, uh, up to the house, she, she stands up off the porch, like Vader with that thing flowing in, in the wind, stands up off the porch. And I get out of the car and I'm immediately defensive because I probably wasn't doing things that I should be doing. I'm immediately defensive and I go in, mom, I'm an adult, I'm 18, I'm, I'm this and this. And I start kind of getting, uh, not loud, but defensive. And she had a reply, and it, and it stuck with me. And her reply was this, the Lord woke me up. I noticed you weren't here, so I was praying for you. And then just kind of that pink nightgown turned <laughs> and went into the house. And I'm left standing uh, in, in front of the porch. And it, it was her look, it was her way. Uh, she didn't have to say anything else in that moment, everything kind of, I got, I got perspective. And what she was saying to me is that, uh, hey, hey, buddy, you weren't raised this way. Uh, you have a purpose and a calling in your life. Get it together. It's kind of a moment, a, a moment for me. It was a check because I was this cocky college kid not taking anything Serious, and it was to realize that there was more an awakening to a purpose and that the Lord was technically waking me up saying, hey, you're not, you're not here right now. You're doing your own thing. You're doing your own thing. And I want you to realize I'm pursuing you. I'm pursuing you. I just, by the way, side note, I married that girl who I went out on the date with. Been together for 15 years. We have four beautiful children. Uh, she, she's on a mission trip right now to Africa. Just pray for her. She's traveling today. Uh, she can't be with us. Um, maybe here this morning that uh, you didn't have the luxury of a mom or dad who, who had those stops with you, who had those defining moments with you to remind you who you really are, whose you really are. But I want to share with you this morning that the idea that the Lord is waking us up the idea of what we're doing here at Faith is He's waking us up. The idea also is that the heart's cry of the Lord, He knows when you're not present. He knows when you're pursuing your own agenda. He knows when you're doing your own thing. He knows, He knows. And the good news behind that is He cares for you. He longs to know you and be known by you and that is His purpose. In fact, He's at the right hand of God making intercession for you and I. It's, it's, who, it's who he is, that you were actually create, created to know God. You were actually created for a purpose. That's why we exist in this church, is, is this is our core belief, is to help you, to help your family, to help your friends, to help you understand, to know God, that God gives you this purpose. And how many of you are thankful that you have a new identity and it's found in him? It's found in him. So as we open this series, this is kind of where we're going, the awakening of what we are, who we are as a church, and what we believe. Again, if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 1, go ahead and stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Uh, we're going to pick up at verse 16. 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God. That's very important. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. For that, that word gospel is good news. For in the good news, the righteousness of God is, righteousness of God is revealed. Righteousness is by faith from the first to last, just as it was written. The righteous will live by faith. At the same time, verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all those godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. I'm going to say that one more time. God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Father, today I pray. Lord, as we look at your word, as we are somewhat awakened this morning, God, I pray that you would, Lord, touch our minds, touch our hearts, open us up to hear what you have for us today. God, let your word produce transformation in our lives and let us leave here forever different. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen, amen. You may be seated. As you're seated, tell your neighbor they look good. You look good this morning. If you have your bulletins, you can take them out and follow along with us. We also have the app and the version stuff happening there. Uh, point one, I want to jump right in. It says, this message, this good news, this message, we need to know first in our foundation, it's for everyone. This message is for everyone. It's our, it's our foundation. The good news, that salvation, that God is pursuing a lost humanity, that he is giving purpose, this is the message for everyone. How many of you know we, we don't serve a God of bad news, we serve a God of good news, serve a God of grace, of mercy, of life to the fullest and more abundant? It's good news. It's, it's good. It's good news. Our scripture, our text also says, it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone that believes, first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. In this first chapter of Romans, Paul is on a mission. He is, he is considered the Gentile missionary. He has this calling. He will make statements that I am obligated to preach this gospel. I am obligated to call out sin. I'm obligated to declare the good news of repentance. I'm obligated to do this. This was his, his charge. And in this first chapter, he talks, he dives into that this is for everyone. You see, these believers in the Roman church were Gentiles, they were non-Jews, so basically in that culture, they were on the outside looking in. But what Paul is declaring and what is declared to us today, that the instant we put our faith in Jesus, we become a part of God's family. Amen? Amen? As we put our faith in Jesus, we become a part of God's family. You're committing to him, to know him. You're no longer wandering in exile. You're no longer a stranger or an outside. You belong. You belong. This message is for everyone. It's about the pursuit of the Savior, about bringing us into family and belonging. The longer I'm a pastor and the more I talk with people, the more I'm convinced that belonging is the fundamental need of humanity. Belonging is a fundamental need of humanity. People will go at any lengths to achieve this sense of belonging, to achieve this sense of love. I want to let you in on something. I want to free you up on something that God wants you to know that you don't necessarily have to do anything to belong. You belong just as you are. It's the message for everyone. 
This passage tells us as you commit to Jesus in faith, you're a part of the family. You're in Jesus. It, it doesn't come, how many are thankful? It doesn't come with probation. It comes with a welcoming. It, doesn't, it comes with the pursuit of the shepherd who goes after the one. And they, when the one is found, they bring him back and there's what? There's a party. There's celebration. It, it does, it, it's unconditionally being unconditionally accepted. I want to tell you, if you can grab a hold of this, and if this can be the, a foundation stone that you stand on, that knowing this, it will shape your life. Knowing that there is a creator God saying, I long to know you and be known by you. I long to know you, and, and, and that this message is not just for me to hold, this message is not just for me to take in, but it is a message for everyone. Amen. I just want to kind of pause and this could get a little harsh, but, but bear with me. I just want to talk to maybe church people who have been in church for years. Um, too many times as Christians, we imply that people have to behave the right way before they can belong to the community. Just got quiet. See, if we're not careful, we subconsciously can create levels of Christianity. In other words, we, we label it as spiritual maturity, but in reality, it's a way to categorize or ultimately either include or exclude people. People we're including and excluding are based on now our standards of conduct and our standards of Bible knowledge. Now here's the hard part. A lot of us, as we make these lines, as we draw these stipulations, a lot of us are dealing with our own stuff. Uh, we might be struggling with lust or anger or pride on the inside, but being good church people, we figured out how to keep our actions more or less in check. And we're better and we're more mature just because we're not doing drugs or sleeping around. I just want to, I want to again free you up. That's not the spirit of Jesus. That's not the spirit of coming to know God. Actually, it says it's the power of God that brings everyone to salvation. That's what our text says. It's the power of God that brings everyone to salvation. Actually, Jesus came to break down those walls and barriers and kind of level the playing field because with Jesus we belong and this message is for everyone. Do you know that this happens before we've done anything right? This happens before we have it all together and have our doctrine figured out, before we get our lives cleaned up. We are his and he is ours. The Bible talks about being a new creation. Do I have any new creations in here? The Bible talks about being a new creation. A new creation has a new identity. I love that story, Robert's story. A new creation has a new identity. Now watch this. As a result of that newness, as a result of that new identity, I naturally start to believe the right things. I naturally start to learn a bit of doctrine. I naturally start to get to know Jesus. I naturally start to get to know the Bible. I actually start to allow the Holy Spirit to infill me and teach me the knowledge of God. And ultimately, watch this, we end up behaving or acting out our beliefs. Our lives demonstrate now a real lasting change. Listen, it's not because I was so self-disciplined, but it's because the relationship with Jesus has a supernatural process. 
It's not because I was so disciplined, it's because my relationship with Jesus has a supernatural process, and that process produces change. It's a beautiful biblical progression. There is grace, and it is an amazing, and that's our knowledge. Then there's faith, and then this work comes out. Listen, church, if, if we make knowing God, if we make it a behavior qualification for belonging, watch this, we missed the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Some of you didn't get that. If we make knowing God about behavior modification, and if we make it about the qualification before belonging, we miss the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Because here's the fact. We can't save people. What does our text say? It's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. It's the power of God that brings everyone to salvation. Our goal at faith, that's our goal at faith, is to unlock this potential, unlock to know that you know him, that you can belong, that he loves you, and you can start on this journey, and it's the supernatural process of knowing him deeper and loving him more. Amen? Why do, why do we need to have this? Why do we need to share this? Why is it so important to know God and be known by him? These next two points are gonna hit that. Because there is also a reality. After we know God, after we understand his grace and his goodness, there's a reality. Sin is the one thing we all have in common. Verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of the people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. I just want to pause for a moment and say godlessness and wickedness were not a part of God's original creation. It wasn't a part of, of, human, of, of humankind. The creation didn't include the presence of evil, death, selfishness, all of these things. Humanity enjoyed flawless, sinless environment. How many know that's not true anymore? As a fact, Genesis chapter three, it all changed. It's, it's not true anymore. In case you haven't noticed, if you have kids and they're anything like mine, the first few words are included terms like this. No, mine, gimme, now. I have a three-year-old toddler. We're not coming out of the womb saying, I want to love and share. We are selfish people. You see, everywhere we look, this evil affects. There's wars, genocide, racism, terrorism, greed, destruction. And although we try to limit in our own strength, we can't because it springs from within us. It's a sin problem. It's a sin problem. We can't solve the sin problem our own. We can't become good enough again on our own. No self-effort or performance on our own will ever make you righteous. In fact, our best attempts are filthy rags. See, at faith, we want everyone to know God, and there's this important thing that connects all of us in this room, whether you're black, white, rich, poor, educated, men or women, whether we all come from different cultures, backgrounds, struggles, and victories, the one thing we all have in common is that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We're sinners in need of a Savior. Everywhere else... And Romans starts to develop this. We read passages like, like all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. And if it isn't dealt with, Romans chapter six tells us that the price of sin is death. And if we don't allow God to take care of the sin for us, we suffer that penalty. Verse 18 in our text, it says, if I neglect or ignore or turn a blind eye to that truth, what I'm actually doing is sinning. What I'm actually doing is suppressing the truth that God has played, that in, the, in each inside of us, we're suppressing that truth in our hearts. I love verse 19, it says, they know the truth about God because he has been made it obvious to them. 
There are two ways, just very quickly, a little bit of extra. There are two ways that God reveals himself. He reveals himself through his word. When someone teaches about him, that's what's happening this morning. That's called special revelation. He reveals himself through creation in an entire world. That's called natural revelation. Uh, if, If you don't know what that is, walk outside. Take a breath, look at the tree, see the oxygen, breathe in and out of your lungs, the atoms, the neutrons, everything working together. We experience creation. If you look at your your systems in your body, all these things, they all have God's fingerprint and it's all around us and it's all over us. In fact, science doesn't disprove anything about God's existence. Science actually screams there's a creator and a master designer. It's revelation. There's this thing that sin, it keeps us from acknowledging him and connecting with him. So what do I need? I need a rescuer. I need a rescuer. And in comes Jesus because God so loved, God so, so ravishly loved, so loved, he sent his son. His son who who never sinned. Remember, the penalty for sin is death. He paid it for us. Anybody thankful that he paid death for you? He paid it for us. He rises from the dead three days later. His death pays the penalty of sin, but his resurrection is what gives us new life. It gives us freedom. It gives us victory. And when you make the decision to follow Jesus, when you make the decision to come to know him, 2 Corinthians 5 says, that old life is gone. The old life is gone. That cheater, that liar, that addict, that adulterer, it's it's gone. Actually, it's nailed to the cross. It's paid for. It's finished. And you get to live in victory. That becomes a part of your story. You have a new life, a new purpose, a new identity as we know God. There is a sin problem. As we awaken to the knowledge of God that this message is for everyone, we must understand that the sin is the thing that we have in common. But the next thing that ties this all together, and I want to spend a few minutes on this, is that eternity is something that we all think about. Verse 20 says, For since creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, watch, His eternal power and divine nature have been seen clearly, being understood from what is being made so that people are without excuse. I like to point out two things about eternity. Two things about eternity, and is it okay if I just want to get a little transparent in here. Um, Have you ever, as an individual going throughout your day, been just sometimes surprised by your emotional state? I don't know if that's, maybe it's just just me. Things that you find yourself doing. it's easy as we serve the Lord and we're floating on an inner tube and we're uh, sipping a Diet Coke down the streams of goodness to fall in love with Jesus on the water and see his creation as his beauty. And when we're blessed and the family is go- good, it's natural to draw and to understand that there's a good God, there's a sin problem, and he has, he has victory over it. But how many know that most of us don't live on the river in an inner tube? I mean, I, I, I find myself going through some emotional craziness more than often, I'd like to admit. Sometimes it's even shocking. Um, I, I'm not a mechanic. I'm not, I'm not a fix-it guy. I'm not a builder. I'm not a carpenter, nor the, nor the son of one. Um, <laughs> 
But lately I've been trying to fix things by myself. I know, it's dangerous. I've been trying to fix things by myself. I have, I have no clue about car stuff, but um, YouTube makes it all possible. <laughs> and so, uh, I'm a mechanic, if you didn't know. Uh, I, uh, I was working on the weed eater the other day, and uh, man, it looks so easy on YouTube. And uh, the next thing you know, I find this emotion coming over me. Like, I'm wanting to say things that I shouldn't say. I'm wanting to throw the few tools that I have. I'm like, get the kids inside. Get them, get them, get them inside. I gotta, I gotta deal with me for a minute. And there's like this crazy stuff coming out. And then when it doesn't work for me, I don't know about you, I'm just like, nothing ever works out. Why can't I just weed eat the stinking yard? You know, it's just, it's just like, I'm just being real. And uh, I'm yelling, you know, YouTube, you're wrong. It's not that easy. It doesn't take four minutes. It takes 40 with seven people. I mean, it just it doesn't, you're, my button doesn't look like that. It just doesn't. Um, and so <laughs> I, I know this is kind of a funny example, but there are times in life when your emotions are raw and they're real. There, there are times in life where you go through stuff. And if you're a Christ follower and your identity is, is in Christ, and yet you still find yourself here, here you kind of lift your head up in those moments and you kind of ask the question, you're like, man, I thought I was bigger than this. Uh, I thought I was more mature than this. I thought I had journeyed beyond that, but here I am again. I'm, I'm living out my emotions and my feelings and my, my mistakes and I'm, I'm acting this way again. And just by the way, this, this, the source of this emotional spiral can be almost anything. It can be words spoken to you or over you. It can be an event. It can be a loss. It can be a fear. It can be big. It can be small. It can be momentary. It can be ongoing. The, the, the point is not necessarily what triggered the emotional spiral. It's what do we do about it? Psalms 42 and 43, it's, it's, a, it's a psalm that everybody goes to often. Most scholars believe they're actually written in one book. Uh, they were, they're actually written first together, and it, it is the book of an emotional roller coaster. It's an, it's an emotional roller coaster. And if you start, I mean, it starts off good, like as the deer pants for the water, and you're like, man, this writer's good. He's talking about the natural revelation of God. Things are great. Things are good. My soul longs for you. Then verse 2. When shall I come and appear before the God? My tears have been my food all day and all night. He has a few lines of just straight chaos. And then in verse 5, he makes this statement, Why are you cast down, my soul? In other words, and, and he's going to repeat this three times, but, but he's saying, what's happening to me? What, what's going on? And, and through these two chapters, he asks nearly a dozen questions, deep stuff like, where is God? And when is he going to pay attention to me? And has he forgotten me? In these two chapters, there are nine different times in this passage he alternates between positive and negative, between hopeful and depressing. It's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. Maybe if we're honest, we can just say, you know what, sometimes our lives are a lot like this. And we're somewhat surprised by our actions. Can I just, uh, again, give you some freedom this morning? Your roller coaster doesn't surprise God. 
He's not shocked. He's not taken back up. He doesn't like throw you off about your weird tendencies and pro, all that stuff. Craziness doesn't bother God. That's an amen point. It doesn't. It's freedom. It doesn't, it doesn't bother God. But what I do want to say is, how do we interrupt this cycle? Because if we stay in this cycle, it's not a good place. It's not a good place. As we look at eternity, it's very important. You see, the, the, the passage shows where this writer found his stability and clarity. Three times has he asked this question, why are you cast down? Each time he comes up with a definitive statement, hope in God. Hope in God. You see, he's the sustainable factor, hope in God. It's very simple. I, I find these two chapters in the Bible, there is an eternal conclusion that has to take place for every one of us. It's taking place for this writer. Either life is meaningless and my existence doesn't matter, or God is the only hope that I have. It's an eternal question. It, this is it. I die, I, I, just, I just cease to exist, I return to dust. Or, or is it this? Or there is a reason to our existence that we are here because there is a creator that is at work of the universe. And, and that creator, if, if that stands to be true, he reveals himself to his creation. Not only that, but he is committed to that creation, preserving and protecting and loving that creation. Not only that, he saves that creation and then he lets us live out the kingdom now, providing us eternal life later for that creation. It's two options. And that's what Paul's getting at in our text. He says, this, this is the hope. He says, for since the creation of the world, this eternal factor, this, the creation of the world, the invisible qualities, what are those qualities? Eternal power and divine nature. I wanna let you know if, if you find yourself on a roller coaster, if you're up and down and, and things are going on where you're at and, and you, can't, you can't figure out up from down and it's crazy in your life right now and the kids and the finances and the decisions, I wanna, I wanna tell you that God is eternal. God is, God, is, God is eternal, which means he knows the beginning from the end. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the author and the perfecter. He's still writing your story. He's eternal, and you know what? He's also divine, which means he's sitting on the throne with all authority, and the Bible even says he's also full of power, with all authority and power. Our God is eternal, our God is powerful, and our God has all authority, and we can rest in that. And sometimes, sometimes as our emotions are running wild, this is the hope we have to lean back into. That we serve an eternal God. That we serve an all-powerful God. Come on, he's all-powerful. Come on, the earth is his footstool. Come on, he has a cattle on a thousand hills and the righteous are never forsaken. God, he's all-powerful. He has all authority. He has authority over your sickness. He has authority over your sin. He has all, all authority is in his hand, in his voice, in his spoken word. It's, he has all authority. And can I tell you, in the roller coaster, this is your hope. You gotta quit doing what the psalmist was doing, questioning the emotions and the things going on, and you have to back up. By the way, when you're in a spiral, don't make any major decisions. Financially, all that stuff. Step back, get people in your life, turn to God, say, listen, he is my hope. This is my hope. 
It's Jesus. You see, thinking about eternity and an eternal God, to me, that is my leveling. That's my leveling. That what is happening, although it may be heavy, it's temporary. And although God is allowing it to happen, that there may be another side to that, that he's working something in Jason. And he's working it out. You know what, although it was tough, although it was difficult, although it was strenuous, although I wouldn't wash it on my worst enemy, he's working something out of it. Because he's God and he's good. And he what? He works all, all, everybody say that, all, all things together for his good. Think about eternity. If you think about that, I believe it's your stability. But the second thing about eternity, not only is it stable, if you're not careful eternity to think about it, it can be scary. Security, but there is actually a physical eternity that we have to think about. Notice his eternal power, his divine nature has been clearly understood from what is being made so that people are without excuse. There is, he makes life and death and all that, all that has been made. There is a point in a man wants to die. It's, it's there. Ecclesiastes says that God has planted eternity inside every human heart. God has planted eternity. In other words, God has planted eternity in our, in our hearts means we have instinctively a natural desire. No, we know that there is more than this life. There's, there's more than this life. You know what that tells me? That tells me it was never God's design for us to spend eternity apart from him. Genesis 3, as we mentioned before, when sin entered the world, a wedge was placed between humanity and God. And ever since, listen to me, ever since that time, God has pursued us with the goal of bringing bringing us back to himself for all of eternity. God created mankind. He did something unique, something unheard of for a creator. He, He gave his creation a choice. He gave us free will. We're free to choose God or reject him. And that means that God, no matter how loving, how gracious, how merciful he may be, he can't make the decision for you or me. He gives us a choice. You see, eternity can be scary because we're left with this choice. But I want to tell you, it can also be, can also have great freedom because I can choose to belong, I can choose to accept the free gift, or I can spend eternity without the creator separated from him. It's our, it's our choice. As we close this morning, this uh, got to realize that this message is for all of us. Are you thankful it didn't stop with the juice? Are you thankful that God opened up that gospel, that all might be saved? That's you and me. And are you thankful that as I recognize that I'm a sinner, that there's a sin problem, as I yield that over to the Lord in faith, he comes in and fills me with his grace, his love, his mercy. He washes me clean. He makes me that new creation problem this message salvation is for all of us sin is a problem i'm thankful that there's an eternal god that gives me hope that he's still on the throne can i say that again church he's still on the throne he's still on the throne he's making ever intercession for you and i he's he's on the throne he's writing your story he's there on the throne that's our hope and god has placed eternity within our hearts that all of us have to make a decision about what we're going to do with it This morning, maybe, maybe this is just the wake-up moment. Maybe I'm that pink nightgown on the porch. Maybe the cry is going out. I notice you haven't been here. 
And I, I notice you've been pursuing your own thing. I notice you've been led by your emotions. I, know, I notice you've just been, you've been off doing your own thing. And God's here to tell you, you aren't made for that. You aren't made for that. I've given you a purpose. I've given you a destiny. I've given you a calling. I've given you a story. There's pages and chapters yet to be turned. His mercies are new every morning. He's here for you today. Despite your tragedies, despite your circumstances, despite what you've walked through, I'm alive, I'm active, and I'm eternal, and I'm here. And so you can wake up. There's still a job to do. There's still purpose to fulfill. We get to live God's kingdom here and now on earth. We get to tell people about Jesus and the good news. What does is, what is the kingdom of heaven on earth look like? Look at heaven. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. There's a, listen, I've got the answer for your pain. I got the answer for your sorrow. I got the answer. It's the kingdom and it's Jesus and he's alive and he's here and he's active. He heals, he restores, he makes all things new. It's Jesus. I get to live that kingdom out. I get to share that kingdom with everybody. That's a wake-up call. You got more. There's more to do. There's more people in your sphere of influence to share that need to know God. That need to know God. That need to know His goodness, His love, and His mercy. Maybe it's a wake-up call. See, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what, what you've done. Sometimes we can get caught in the past. Sometimes we can get caught in those emotional roller coasters. We can allow it to hold us back. I want to tell you this morning, you can't change all that stuff. You can't change, you can't change the past. We serve a God who changes futures and he changes todays. And he wants to actually take that past and he wants to use it as your platform for your story to share, to give you that purpose, to, to give you that calling. And so when, when you make the decision to know God, He forever changes you. Forever changes you. Forever changes you. Makes you new. He saves you from your sin. He gives you a new life. And He makes room for you in eternity. Some of you this morning, you don't know God and you're here. And he's calling you to a wake-up call. To say, I love you and I'm pursuing you. You bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.